Hi, I'm Dan, and I want to welcome you to Church Online. If it's your first time, please take a minute and fill out a quick guest link on our website after the broadcast. We would love to connect with you, no matter where you're watching from. You can also give online by going to lifechurchutah.com or by texting LCGIVE to 95577 at any time during this morning's service. Once again, thank you for making Life Church Online a part of your weekend. For more information, visit us at lifechurchutah.com. Today I'm going to start this new series for April that I'm calling The Game of Life. Uh, and we're going to specifically talk about absolute truth because if you're going to win at the game of life, you've got to, you've got to answer this one. You've got to know this one in your heart if you're going to win at the game of life. So anyway, the, the sermon bumper was about the game of life. Some of you will maybe remember the game of life. There's this center wheel. It doesn't show you in that. Well, you can kind of see it down the left corner there. Center wheel, if, you, if you've never done it or whatever, you might remember. But you would spin the center wheel, you know, and it'd go tell you how many spaces, wherever it landed, tell me how, how, how many spaces you were supposed to go forward. And every one of those spaces had a consequence of some sort, you know. And some of those consequences would be good, some of the consequences would be bad, you know. And of course, it was just chance what you happened to land on. Uh, so if it was a good one, it might be a good one that said, hey, you get a tax refund of $2,000 or $10,000, whatever, and the bank would pay you uh, whatever the tax refund amount was. Or it could be a bad consequence that would say, hey, you just had a baby, so you have to pay the doctor $5,000, so you're paying the bank now $5,000. And the point of the game was to go around the entire board of course, coming in first, beating everybody else because you got extra money for that. And whoever at the very end had most money was the winner of the game. Now, it was called the game of life because it incorporated so many of the different features that life incorporates, that life has to it. Um, it you, you would have those babies. You would have those tax bills. You would, you would have that education bill. You would have to hire the lawyer. You would have opportunity to buy something. You know, it's the game of life. It was, talk, it was called the game of life because uh, the game of life is somewhat like that. If you've lived any length of time at all, you know that the game of life can seem like you're living sort of out of control, like there's a wheel that's being spun and you really have no control over how many spaces you go to or, or what the consequence of those spaces are that you happen to land on. Um, and, and so what we learn about life as you've lived life, if you've lived any length of time, is that you can make all the plans that you want and you can get the finest education that is afforded to you out there. You can have your life on track to really go forward, um, you know, in the, on, uh, in the company ladder, moving up the company ladder, all, all these things about your life figured out. And when you're young, you tend to have that. When you're young, you tend to put the pieces all together like that. But the problem is your life rarely turns out the way you have it all planned. That, that is true. That's where real life kind of compares to this game. You do spin and things come up that you weren't expecting. Proverbs 19.21 says, We humans keep brainstorming options and plans. But we all know 
that those options and plans don't always turn out the way we hoped that they would. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't make uh, plans, that you shouldn't uh, pursue options, brainstorm those options, but it is to say that we don't always have the final word on how it turns out. The truth is life is often filled with surprises and with the unexpected. The unexpected doctor's report. The surprise at work. All those things can happen. So it's, it's amazing how closely real life compares to or mirrors this board game called the game of life. The game of life, if you've ever played it, you know is essentially a game of chance because you spin the wheel and it lands where it lands. So no one can really control how many spaces they move or what the outcome of landing on that space might be. But in real life, this is what I want to share with you. The way to improve your chances is to build your life on a foundation that is firm and immovable and doesn't change. Because without a solid foundation, your life, it, in your life, it is all about just chance. It's what happens to happen. And that's the way a lot of people, I think, choose to live their lives today. They live by chance. All they do is hope for the best. All they do is plan for the best. They hope the direction of their life goes the way they want it to go. But they're, they're doing it on their own, with their own strength, their own creativity, and they can't control how life really turns out. All they can do is, is give it their, their best effort but, and, and hope that it works. It's a chance for that, for them. And I think that that is true for all of us unless there is a firm foundation of God's truth that undergirds your life that you can build your life upon. So the question then is, does that foundation of truth exist? Is it out there? Does it exist? Now up front, I need to be honest with you and tell you that I believe that absolute truth does exist. In fact, I will go so far as to say that I believe that absolute truth must exist. It must exist in order for there to be purpose and order in the universe. That just makes sense to me. Some things must be consistent for our created universe to work properly. Some things must be unchanging. So I will tell you right up front, I do have a bias in all of this. I believe absolute truth exists and that it exists. I'll go a step further in the person of Jesus Christ. Now Jesus made several statements about the issue of truth. In John chapter 14 verse 6 he said, I am the way, I am the what? The truth and I am the life. So Jesus is saying here, in effect, if you want to know how to get to God, I am the way. 
If you want to know the truth of God, I am God's truth. Listen to me. If you want the life of God, he's saying, I am the source of that life. In other words, if you want God in your life, Jesus is saying, it's in me. It's in Jesus. And that's the point of the last part of the verse that we already began reading to you, where Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through me. And so he's saying here that there is truth. In fact, he's going so far as to say there's only one truth, and that truth is built on God in general, but specifically on him as the author of truth. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, you can agree with that or not. You can accept that or not. But that's what Jesus says about himself in this verse. Now, notice he didn't say that he was one way to get to God, that he was one way of finding truth. He says in this verse that he is the only way to get to God. He is the only source of truth. And that is why some people in our culture today, uh, they, they, re, they, they repel, they dislike the Christian faith so much because it's, it's exclusive. The, the key word in American culture today is the word inclusivity, being inclusive. It has good points to it including all people. That's good. That's a good way to be inclusive. But if you take inclusivity to the point where all ideas are equally true, then that becomes a trap for your life. Because not all ideas are true. Now, this is what Jesus says about himself. And when you read the apostles, the the, the authors of the New Testament, they seem to agree with what Jesus said here. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter, when defending himself against the Jewish high council, made this statement in Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation comes no other way, no other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved, only this one. We, we just came through the Easter season where we, we remembered, we celebrated his resurrection, but we reflected and we remembered on his, his trial, his, his, uh, the whipping, the beating that he went through, his arrest, all of that. We remembered all of that and, and tucked into the story of Jesus' arrest and trial is, is a little dialogue between Pontius Pilate, an exchange between Pontius Pilate, the, the Roman-appointed governor of Judea, and Jesus himself. And here's Pilate, and he's looking into the face of Jesus, who is the truth personified. And what does Pilate say to him, John 18, 38? What is truth? So he's looking truth in the face. He's looking truth in the eyes, but he can't see it. It is absolutely true that some people cannot see it 
even when they're staring right at it in the face. They cannot see. They are so blinded. But whether we want to see it or not, whether we want to accept it or not, Jesus is saying here in John chapter 14 that truth exists and that it centers on him. Now another thing that Jesus said about truth is that when you accept this truth, it has the power to totally transform your life at the very core of your life. Truth doesn't make you religious, doesn't make you philosophical. Now, you may become uh, religious in the sense that the world thinks of it, in the sense that you go to church and so forth. To that degree, you may connect with believers, and the world will call that religious. We don't, but the world calls it that. You, you may become religious, but religion itself is not proof of an acceptance of truth. The acceptance of truth will transform your very core being. And if that doesn't happen, whatever you have is not sufficient. You need something deeper in your experience with God. This is what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 32. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That little phrase at the end is talking about the transformation that happens at the core of your being. He's saying here that if you embrace the truth, if you live the truth, you will become a changed person at the very core of who you are. Now, frankly, this flies in the face of modern culture today that believes that truth is fluid It believes that truth is changeable. They use the word relative. Truth is relative. That means truth is what you want it to be. Truth is your truth to you. There is no consistent absolute truth that encompasses everybody. Truth is simply something that you choose to believe in and of of yourself. Um, So truth is what you want it to be. So every person chooses their own truth. The problem with that, and I've seen this over and over again, is the chaos that that brings to the soul of people. They have no basis upon which to live their lives. I don't know if you've ever been in a swampy area or not, but if you've been in a swampy area and you're walking around on solid ground, suddenly the next step is more fluid than you expected. You can't tell it on the surface, but the next step all of a sudden becomes very unstable. That's the way it is without absolute truth in your life. You will take a step and it won't work. Things will start shaking because you're not building your life on absolute concrete truth. There has to be a standard of truth that doesn't change and isn't swayed by changing times, changing culture, or changing customs. A standard by which we all live. A standard that guides our values. And Jesus said that there is that kind of standard. And it is found in him. And if you and I receive it, receive him, and receive his truth, we will be transformed at the core of who we are so that we aren't walking on on sand anymore, 
We aren't building our lives on sinking sand, on quicksand. We are building our lives on the rock who is himself, Jesus Christ. Now, the implication of all of this is that not living by truth will lead to bondage. It will lead to destruction. And I will tell you, if you're new here, there are a lot of people in this room right here who would be honest with you and say, you know what, I lived the lie for a lot of years and this is what it got me. This is where it took me. This is the devastation that it brought to my own personal life. And it led them into a life of bondage. See, what I'm saying is defining your own truth, defining it in your own terms does just that. It binds your soul. It separates you from a solid, functioning, transforming relationship with God. But Jesus said, you and I can be set free. And that freedom starts by accepting God's absolute truth as the basis upon which to build your life. If you try to do it any other way, it will lead to more bondage and more pain and more heartache. Now, another thing that Jesus taught about truth is that it's found in Matthew chapter 7, in verses 24 through 27, he taught that success in life is determined by the foundation upon which you build your life. So let's read it together. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now in these verses, Jesus is saying that there's a wise way to live your life and there is a foolish way to live your life. And that is determined by the foundation upon which you choose to build your life. If the foundation you build your life upon is foolish, it will lead to what Jesus calls in verse number 27, a mighty crash. Some of you have been there. You know what I'm talking about. And we've all been there to one degree or another. And we've all seen that happen to people. Have you ever watched somebody self-destruct? That's what we're talking about right, right here. It leads to a mighty crash. But if the foundation is wise, it will lead to strength and endurance. He says in verse 25, your life won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. So the question that comes to my mind is, what is the bedrock that he's talking about? And he answers that in verse number 24. He says the bedrock is his teaching. That's the bedrock upon which you must build your life because that's the foundation of truth. That's the unmoving truth. Doesn't matter if culture likes it or not, this is the truth of God. But why is his teaching this bedrock? Why is it something we can build on? Because it doesn't move. It doesn't change. It doesn't, it's, it's not fluid. It's not relative. 
which is the current thing. It is, by implication, the only truth. Now, when we think of building something, you know, most of us think of building houses or building structures of, of some sort. But here just Jesus is saying that each of us are building our lives as well. Now, you may never in your lifetime pick up a hammer or a nail, but you are still a builder. God is saying you're building your life every single day by the choices that you make, by the foundation you build upon. And like with any structure, the strength and the size of the building is determined by the foundation under it. If the foundation is small, the building's going to be small. If the foundation is large, the building can be larger. Also, another thing about foundations, if the foundation is strong and reinforced and designed well, it will bring strength to the structure that is above it so it can endure incredible forces. I was watching uh, this show on the Weather Channel just the other day, and it was showing like the top five hurricanes that have hit. And, you know, we're talking about winds sustained over 200 miles an hour. I, I, and here's some reporter out there, you know. Um, it, it's just amazing to me that anybody would go out there in that. that that's, that's building your life on a foolish foundation to go out in the middle of a hurricane. All right. But anyway, they, they take pictures so we get to see them. Uh, but the interesting thing is to look what the aftermath. The buildings that were built on a solid foundation, by and large, survived. The ones that didn't came tumbling down in, in, in the brunt of, of such devastating winds and so forth. So if the foundation is strong, the building will be strong. Now we saw that recently in Florida. Remember that where this footbridge came collapsing down onto a, a highway beneath it and killed several people who just happened to be driving under that thing at the wrong time. And the reason that that thing came down was because it had poor design and poor construction. And therefore, it brought it down. It was a relatively new uh, footbridge. But it came down because it was poorly designed and poorly constructed. You might remember about a month ago or so, Ron Ock was with us. He did the, the, the prayer seminar with us. And, man, he was fantastic. And I, I don't know if you remember the story or not, but he talked about a particular flood that hit his hometown of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, back about 40 years ago, 35, 40 years ago or so. And he said that there were some people that were living along fairly quiet streams. That's where their houses were located and, and, and so forth. But as the word got out about this flood coming, most of the people who were wise got out. And they left, but there was one guy, remember? There was one guy who, who said, I'm going to ride it out. And boy, did he ride it out. And the next morning, he gets up to find out what devastation happened. And he opens the window, and he looks out, and he can't see any of his neighbor's homes. And he says to his wife, all of our neighbor's homes were washed away only to find out that it was his house that had been washed away, and he was now located in the middle of a baseball diamond. That's why he had no homes around him to see. His home had washed away. And then we found out why his home washed away. Do you remember the story? He didn't build the house on a foundation at all. So when the flood came, 
What happened? It picked that puppy up and moved it into a new location. He's lucky that he survived. It's exactly what Jesus said in verse 27 when he said, The rains and the floods come and the winds beat against the house and it will collapse with a mighty crash. Now, his house didn't collapse, fortunately, but it relocated. What I'm saying is that our lives are just like that. Our size as human beings, and I'm not talking about our physical size. I want you to understand me. I'm talking about the influence of your life. God wants to make you a great influencer of other people for the kingdom. And the level to which God can use you to influence others is the size of the foundation that you build your life upon. The solidness, the firmness of the foundation upon which you are building your life. Your size of influence is directly related to the size of the foundation that you're building under your life. And your strength also, and here again, I'm not talking about your biceps. I'm talking about your ability to overcome and to withstand the storms of life that will come your way. That strength is also directly related to the strength of the foundation upon which you have built your life. So with that said, I want to give you three thoughts today as a conclusion to this matter, quickly. Number one, uh, this is about absolute truth. Absolute truth exists. It does exist. The world sees truth primarily as an idea. So to them, you can't, it, it, truth can't be absolute because ideas change. That's why truth can be relative to people. That's why it can be fluid to people. It can change with people. You have your idea of truth. I have my idea of truth. And both are valid because that's what we believe truth to be. And as long as my truth doesn't um, infringe or hinder your truth or hurt you in any way, it really doesn't matter. This is how the world believes. It really doesn't matter what you embrace as truth in your life. The problem with that, I don't know if this is going to be a new idea for you or not, but some ideas are wrong. You can believe two plus two is five all day long, but you're wrong. It's not. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 23. If the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Wow. Isn't that something? I, I, I love how the uh, New Century Version puts it. It says, you have the worst darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, you're in bad shape. Because you're not open to real truth. You have embraced a lie as truth, and it functions to give to give direction and, and upon which you build your life, it, it affects every area of your life. Truth, this is what I want to say. Truth is not primarily an idea. That leads to the worst darkness. Truth is primarily a person, and that leads to Jesus Christ and Him alone as the source of truth. Build your life on Jesus, and your influence will be large, and it will be strong. Hallelujah. All right, that's the foundation. Number two, 
absolute truth is knowable. Now, I will admit, we cannot know all truth because truth is based on God and God is infinite. When we get to heaven, we will understand all truth. Our minds will be totally opened. But right here, right now, we can only know what God has revealed to us. And God has revealed to us, made it known, what life is about and what the purpose of our life is. So God reveals that truth through His Word, the Bible. That's why we build everything we do in this church on the Bible. It's the word of truth and is that solid foundation that all of us are looking for that doesn't move, that doesn't shift, and we can build our lives upon it. But here's what I want you to understand. Some truth has to be dug out to fully understand. You say, I read parts of the Bible and I don't understand it. That's because there's some of it in there that has to really be dug out. Proverbs uh, chapter 2, verses 4 through 7 says, If you seek like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Okay, so he's saying here, if you will dig this thing out, dig out the truth of what God is saying, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. And so if you seek it, if you search for it, dig it out. Make it, make it an effort. So work at your understanding of God's truth. Dig it out. I'll be reading along devotionally, and there's still a lot of the Bible that I'll be reading. And I'll, whoa, what does that mean? What is that saying? And I'll pause right there and I'll dig into the books. I'll dig into my Bible programs on my computer and find out what are the commentators saying about what that means. And I'll evaluate that in my own heart. But you understand what I'm saying? I, I, I don't just pass over and say, oh, I don't understand that. I guess it's not important. I, I take the time to dig that thing out, to go after it, to find out what God is saying. And all kinds of enlightenment comes to your mind when you do that. And the Spirit of God will help you because Jesus said he will lead you into truth. So you, speak, you seek the Spirit of God and you study the thing out. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. A lot of us, we don't live in victory because we're way too passive about our Christian life. We just kind of float in and float out, and we don't give it much thought beyond that. Listen, you gotta, if you really want to know this stuff, you gotta, there's stuff in there to dig. In fact, it'll take you a lifetime, and you'll just scratch the surface. It's, it's just amazing. So this is what I've learned. What you work for, what you work hard to learn will stay with you for a lifetime. What comes real easy is gone. It's easily forgotten. Third thing I want to say about truth is that absolute truth will affect your life. And uh, it'll affect your life for now. Jesus said, I'll give you abundant life. That's today, that's now, it's in the here and now. And it'll affect your eternity. That's what God has promised to us from his truth. Abundant life now, 
and eternity forever, eternal life forever. I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy here recently, and if you've been reading in that, reading there, you know, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's several times where God, through Moses, tells the people, choose life. Choose life. I'm laying before you a decision, life and death, blessings or curses. And God implores the people, please, 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 choose life. Now here's the deal, I can't choose it for you and you can't choose it for me. You have to do that individually. Your wife can't do it for you, your husband can't do it for you. It can only come from a heart that surrenders, that says, Father, I acknowledge that I have been living in the darkness and it's like I'm standing on a swamp and everything is moving and I can't get firm traction and stuff's not working and why isn't this working in my life? And why are things falling apart? It's because you're not standing on the truth. And you can't just stand on part of the truth. You say, well, I accept Jesus as my Savior, but I'm still kind of, flip, you know, maybe you've got your one foot on the rock, but the other is still on the, you know, and so you're still unstable. You've got to get it all, surrender it all to Jesus Christ. Otherwise, it won't work. All of your life, all of your passions. And so Jesus told a Jewish religious leader who asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, this is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Doesn't say anything about being religious. He says, love God all the way. Because if you don't, it's, life is like this. It's the game. It's the chance. God has something better for you. This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.